Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called The Riley and Jimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to a wacky, way back kind of day. And being a wacky, way back kind of day, you have to have something wacky in the studio with you. And I do it. Jimmy, I got one name. Jimmy. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I'm your host, Patrick Riley. Oh, yeah, they tell me where to go all the time. By the way, you can find out if I have a face for radio or not. We have, uh, well, some recent videos, celebrity videos, where we've uh, interviewed some people just recently over the past weekend. They're available on our website, also our social media pages like Facebook, YouTube, and more. And you can find those just by going right to our website at RileyandKimmy.com. It's a wacky, way back, what kind of day, Kimmy? Wednesday. Wednesday. Such a groovy Wednesday. It's a Wacky Way Back Wednesday. Thank you for making us part of your day. And we're available every single day of the week. That's right. The Riley and Kimmy Show has a brand new episode. It's all pop culture based. All about nostalgia, retro, and a look at maybe some current things as well. You can find out more by going to our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's where we have those archived episodes. Also, the easiest way to take us anywhere on planet Earth. Platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Pop culture stories. And also we have, as we mentioned, celebrity interviews. You can find those and more on our website. What's our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archived podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy show at RileyandKimmy.com Pop culture escapism. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That is a question for a wacky way back Wednesday. Does the wacky one want to go back in time? Test her brain cells with a thrilling game of pop culture trivia. What say you, Kimmy? Of course. Alrighty, going back in time is one of the things we're going to do, but the timeline has been adjusted, meaning it's not running in chronological or linear order. It's wacky for a Wednesday. That's right, it's all all messed up a little bit. Feel free to help Kimmy out with answers. She believes in time travel answers. That's right, she thinks the temporal door opens up and an answer pops out. So talk to 
whisper to, be nice to, whatever computing device you're listening to, the Riley and Kimmy show, or if nobody's around, just yell at it. Yeah. As long as you're not in traffic. It might not look good. Mm. Yeah. Whatever it takes to get that answer to Kimmy, she deeply appreciates it. You really do believe in temporal time travel answers, right? Yes, I do. Well, the first one I don't think you're going to need help with, but you might. We are looking for the year that this film was released. It premiered on this date in history in Los Angeles, California. Kimmy, identify the movie. We need it exact. And we need the year it came out within two years. Here is your clue. War has started. And we are hopelessly outgunned. Director Fury, I think it's time. Here with the mission, sir. Trying to get me back in the world. Trying to save it. Doctor, I need you to come in. What if I say no? I'll persuade you. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. So when we needed them, they could fight the battles that we never could. I thought I didn't qualify. Apparently I'm, what is it, volatile, self-obsessed, and don't play well with others. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that away, what are you? A genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. <laughs> Dr. Banner, your work is unparalleled. And I'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn into an enormous green rage monster. Can you tell me the name of the movie, Kimmy? The Avengers. That's right. And what year within two years? 2013. You get it within two. It was 2012. Mm. It was on the state 1947. This person became the first black player in Major League history. He played in an exhibition game for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Who is it? Jackie Robinson. You're right. The year is 1955. The movie Marty premieres in New York City. It would win the Best Picture for 1956. Tell me who the star of Marty is. Listen carefully. Ma, when are you going to give up? you got a bachelor on your hands. I ain't never going to get married. Uh, you're going to get married. Ma, sooner or later there comes a point in a man's life when he's got to face some facts. And one fact I got to face is that whatever it is that women like, I ain't got it. I chased after enough girls in my life. I, I went to enough dances. I got hurt enough. I don't want to get hurt no more. I just called up a girl this afternoon. I got a real brush off, boy. I figured I was past the point of being hurt, but that hurt. Some stupid woman who I didn't even want to call up. She gave me the brush. No, ma, I don't want to go to Stardust Ballroom because all that ever happened to me there was girls made me feel like I was a, a bug. I got feelings, you know. I had enough pain. No thanks, ma. Marty. No. I'm going to stay home tonight and watch the hit parade. Are you going to die without a son? So I'll die without a son. Oh, Marty, put on the blue suit, huh? Blue suit, gray suit. I'm just a fat little man, a fat, ugly man. You're not ugly. I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm ugly. Marty. Ma, leave me alone. Ma, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? I'm miserable enough as it is. All right, so I'll go to the Stardust Ball. I'll put on a blue suit and I'll go. And you know what I'm going to get for my trouble? Heartache. A big night of heartache. Can you tell me who that is? 1955. Ernest Borgnine? Yes. I didn't have to give you the clue of McHale's Navy. Moving one year, clicking it up, going to the world of music. It was 1956. This person debuts on the R&B charts with this song. Tell me who it is. Go home. Please, 
Please tell me who that was. It's the godfather of soul, Kimmy. James Brown. That's right, 1956. Ten years we moved. Ten years. This person records a song that would eventually become number one on the pop charts, Kimmy. Tell me who it is. Strangers in the night. Exchanging glances, wandering in the night. Who is that? Frank Sinatra. Yeah, keep in mind, that's during the time of the Beatles and Rolling Stones and things like that and the British Invasion, and he's able to take a, well, go number one Hmm. with that song right there. The year is 1970. This rocket, this mission, blasts off from Cape Canaveral, Cape Kennedy, Kimmy. It's on a mission to the moon. When an explosion cripples the spacecraft, causing the astronauts to return safely eventually, there was a question if they would make it back. Tell me the name of the mission. Here is the exact incident. We've got one more item for you when you get a chance. We'd like it to uh, stir up your cryo tanks. In addition, uh, I have a shaft and trunnion. Okay. Or look at the comet Bennett if you need it. Stand by. Okay, uh, yes, we've had a problem here. Can say again, please. Oh, you can leave that a problem. Kimmy, can you tell me the spacecraft, the mission that is? Apollo 13. That's correct. And can you tell me who starred in Apollo 13, the movie that was made about that? Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Tom Hanks. That's correct. We're staying in 1970, moving over to the world of music. We're looking for the name of the group that has a number one single. Kimmy, matter of fact, it stays number one for two weeks. We have an audio clue for you, but it is backwards. How do you feel about that? Hmm, You know, it's it's Wacky Wednesday, so let's do something wacky, right? Sure. Let's see how good you are. Keep in mind, it's 1970. Tell me the name of the group and the song if you can. Can you tell me who that is? I don't know. Kimmy, I'll tell you the name of the group. Let's see if you can tell me the name of the song then. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. The name of the group is The Beatles. Can you tell me the song? You don't know what it is? I don't know that 1970, it doesn't help you? 1970, Beatles, number one. Nope. We'll have the answer at the conclusion of the Riley and Kimmy show. Please stick with us for that. We'll give Kimmy some time to think about it. You actually want me to give the answer now. Yeah. The answer is Let It Be by The Beatles. Wow, that was a tough one. The year is 1974. This special committee subpoenas the President of the United States to provide tapes to produce them for impeachment inquiry, who is the president at the time? Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Moving to 1980. This song is released. Tell me the name of the song and tell me who the recording artist is. You want to love till I 
Can you tell me the name of that single? Um, coming up. Coming up like a flower. Coming up. Yeah. 1980. Who had that as a hit? Paul McCartney. That's right. Moving one year. 1981. Valerie Bertinelli gets married to a musician. Kimmy, who does she marry? 1981. Eddie Van Halen. That's right. 1983, the 55th Academy Awards happens on this date. Best actor goes to this person. Tell me who it is. He starred in the movie Gandhi. Ladies and gentlemen, members of the Academy, you have bereft me of all words, but that's not good enough. I am custodian of this award for a lot of people. Let me say, before continuing any further, that I was overwhelmed to be mentioned in the same breath as the other four gentlemen who were nominated with me. Kimmy, who is that? Ben Kingsley. That's right. Best Actress for Sophie's Choice. That's the movie. Oh, boy. Uh, no matter how much you try to um, imagine what this is like, it's just so incredibly thrilling right down to your toes. I ha- have a lot of people to thank. The 37 members of the American and European casts, whom I won't mention <laughs> all of their names, but, but for two. I feel like I owe them um, this because uh, everything that I had, I got from looking in their eyes and uh, for the, the great love they gave me for five months. I thank Kevin Klein and... Peter McNichol. And I thank you all very much. Who wins, Kimmy? Meryl Streep. That's right. Best Supporting Actor. Tell me who it is. He was in An Officer and a Gentleman. You know, when you prepare a speech, it's no use because it's all gone. (laughs) I tried to get my kid to come up here to share this with me. But there are some special people I would like to share this with. Specifically, tomorrow is the 17th anniversary of my relationship with my one agent, Mr. Ed Bondi. They say marriages don't last. I've got a spirit that guides me, starting from a great-grandmother who died at the age of 117, and uh, my mom and dad, who I know are watching, and my cousin Yvonne, thank you. You make everything fall into place. And all you other four guys, this is ours. Kimmy, who is that? Louis Gossett Jr. Correct. Best Supporting Actress for the movie Tootsie. Who is it? Uh, This is a great honor for me. I thank you all very much. Um, I feel real lucky to have been a part of Tootsie, to have worked with actors like Charlie Durning and Dabney Coleman and Terry Garr, and to have had uh, Sidney Pollack as my director and Dustin Hoffman as my leading lady. Oh, this is so exciting. I want to thank you all very, very much. This means so much to me. Thank you. Who is it, Kimmy? Jessica Lange. Yes, moving to the world of music. The year is 1983. This group's first album, Murmur, was released. One of the singles, 
It did break the top 100, hit number 78 on the Billboard Hot 100. Radio Free Europe, tell me who it is. Is it Kimmy? REM. That's right. 1988, the 60th Academy Awards happens on this date. Best actor. He wins for the movie Wall Street. Tell me who it is. Thank you. Uh, thank you all very much. I I really want to uh, thank the Actors Branch, the Academy first, uh, for just being a nominee with uh, four actors that I really admire, and at least one that I consider a really good friend who I admire. And thank you for that. And for this fellow from all of the Academy, I just want to share it with uh, all the good work that was done by all the branches, whether you were nominated or not tonight. But this is all with you. A large part of this award belongs to Oliver Stone. Can you tell me who that is? Michael Douglas. That's right. Best actress, Kimmy. See if you can identify who it is. We're not going to tell you the movie at first. See if you can identify her by voice. Now, I want to really, I want to really say something. <laughs> uh, when I was little, my mother said, I want you to be something. And, uh, and I guess this represents 23 or 24 years of my work. And I've never won anything before from my peers. Um, I'm really, really happy. I, I'd like to thank everyone I worked on with the movie. They were really fabulous. It was really a great experience for me. Uh, my makeup man, who had a lot to, to work with. <laughs> uh, my hairdresser, my assistant, my children who've been so wonderful, the lady who taught me how to speak in this Brooklyn accent. And I would like to thank the women that I was nominated along with because I feel really, really good because they were so great. And I also would like to thank Mary Louise Streep, who I feel so unbelievable that I did my first movie with her and now I was nominated with her and I feel really thankful. And, and I don't think that this means that I am somebody, but I guess I'm on my way. Thank you. Can you identify who it is and for what movie did she win? Cher? Yeah. For Mask? No. No, for, um, oh, Moon. Yes. Moon. We'll give it to you. It's Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Best actor of the year is 1988. Tell me who it is. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, a few enemies. Uh, I don't think there's anyone aware or unaware rather in Hollywood or the rest of the world tonight that this is the 60th anniversary of these Academy Awards and I just realized myself the other day that it, my first one and only attendance was 30 years ago uh, patience truly is a virtue um, but it uh, 
In winning this award, it creates a certain dilemma because I had decided, if I had the good fortune to win, that I would give it to my wife, who deserves it. But this evening I discovered backstage that they're worth $15,000. And... <laughs> now I'm not so sure. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only kidding. It's yours. Who is that? Sean Connery? Yes. Do you know what movie he would have won for? The year's 1988. It would be for a movie from 1987. The Hunt for Red October? No. Good guess. It was The Untouchables. Oh. Best Supporting Actress. She wins for the movie Moonstruck. Best Supporting Actress. Who is it? Well, I'm very honored. I want to thank the members of the Academy. I want to say yet again, thank you to Norman... Patrick Palmer, and to John Patrick Shanley, to my family, my husband, who has been my companion through this, through my career, through my life, to my friends and colleagues in New York and at the whole theater. Thank you very much. Okay, Michael, let's go! Who is it, Kimmy? Mm, no, I can't get that one. Olympia Dukakis. Ah. Moving away from the Academy Awards, going to television. Years 1991, this recording artist and sometimes actor was guest on a certain cartoon. Kimmy, tell me the name of the cartoon, but more importantly, tell me who the recording artist is. Here's his voice. In response to your letter of December the 12th, 1966, my favorite color is blue. Thanks for the snapshot. You're a real cute bird. Love. P.S. Forgive the lateness of my reply. Well, Weatherby, they took the time to write me, and I don't care if it takes me another 20 years. I'm going to answer every one of them. From Springfield, USA. Gear. Dear Marge, thanks for the fab painting of yours truly. I hung it on me wall. You're quite an artist. In answer to your question, yes, we do have hamburgers and fries in England, but we call French fries chips. Can you tell me who that is? Ringo Starr. Yes, it's Ringo Starr, and he was on what cartoon? Uh, what cartoon? Yes, that was, um, it was, we did ask that beforehand, and Kimmy was not know. paying attention. You, he said one of the characters' names. You totally don't know. Mm-mm. It's The Simpsons. Moving to 1997, this group releases their self-titled debut album. Here's his single from it that peaked at number four. Tell me who it is. I get to you. Who is that, Kimmy? Animotion. That is Savage Garden. Oh. Moving to the year 2000. This group releases the album Return to Saturn. Here's one of the singles that hit number 18 on the adult top 40 charts. Tell me who it is. Can you tell me who that is? Cheryl Crow? Nope, it is no doubt. Moving to 2002, this person becomes engaged 
to Pamela Anderson. He is a musician. Can you tell me who it is? The year is 2002. Kid Rock? We didn't have no internet, but man, I never will forget. Yeah, you got it right. I thought we'd throw you with that one, but you actually got it right. The year is 2007. Dynasty actress Heather Locklear divorces a rock star, Kimmy, after 11 years of marriage. Who does she divorce? Tommy Lee? No, 2007. Uh, Richie Sambora. Yeah. Okay. I get them. Sure. Okay. I'm sure we we kind of sort of understand. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. The year is 2014. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees happens on this date. See how many you can get. Here's clue number one. Who is it? Peter Gabriel. Next one. See if you can get this one. Who is it, Kimmy? Hollow Notes. Yeah, you, let's see if you can get them all. Here's the next one. I wanna rock and roll all night. Who is it, Kimmy? Kiss. Next one. Nirvana. You're on a roll, Kimmy. Here's another one. Are you ready? Linda Ronstadt. You got it right. Here's the final one, Kimmy. The tough one. We saved it for last. Hit of his from 1972. Hit number six is your clue. Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing. Can you tell me who that is? Mm-hmm. John Fogarty. Good guess. I like that guess. It's Cat Stevens. Ah, okay. You got them all but that one. <laughs> Celebrity and notable birthdays. This person part of Forgotten Hollywood. You would not know who it is, Kimmy. Fantastic actor, born 1907. His name is Paul Douglas. Very popular actor for a period of time up to about 1959, right at the time of his death. He died, by the way, in 1959 at the age of 52. He died right after filming scenes for a Twilight Zone episode called The Mighty Casey. He played a manager frustrated by a losing team. They would reuse elements filmed and reshoot his scenes with Jack Warden as the manager. They would use it a little bit later on, but he did the original part. Another bizarre thing, film director Billy Wilder had just offered him the role of Jeff Sheldrake in the film The Apartment for 1960. He was going to be playing this, but instead Fred McMurray ends up playing it because he dies. Wilder said that, quote, I saw him and his wife, saw him at a restaurant, and I realized he was perfect for the role. I asked him right there in the parking lot. About two days before we were to start shooting, he had a heart attack and died. Wow. That's how fast McMurray came involved. Mm. Paul Douglas, born in the state in 1907. Moving somewhere else on the birthday list, an actress, Kimmy, best known for her portrayal on a certain nighttime drama, soap opera. Cutting edge soap opera, actually. See if you can identify its theme. Kimmy, can you guess what that is? Is it Mary Hartman? 
Jr. did a song about Mary Hartman. Wow. Yes, he did. And, Kimmy, the question for you is, who played Mary Hartman? She's celebrating a birthday today. Ma, I told you, I'm very busy right now. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Hartman? Yes? This is Sergeant Foley at the Fernwood Police Station. The police station? Uh, Larkin gave us your number after we were unable to reach anyone at his home number. Grandpa Larkin's at the police station? Yes, he is. Is he all right? Well, not exactly. Was he hurt? I mean, what, did he have an accident? Uh, no, he's not hurt. And what happened, I'm afraid, was not an accident. I don't know what you mean. Well, I'm afraid he did it deliberately. That's why he was arrested. What was he arrested for? Indecent exposure. Indecent exposure? That's right. I'm afraid, Mrs. Hartman, your grandfather is the Fernwood Flasher. Kimmy, can you tell me who played Mary Hartman? Louise Lasser. Yes, how old is she today? Within five years. 65. She is 79. Between 1966 and 1970, she was married to a film director, actor. Can you tell me who she was married to? She would appear in some of his films. Woody Allen? Yeah, got it right. Actually surprised me there, Kimmy. Moving to the world of music and birthdays, identify this singer. Tell me who it is. Who is it, Kimmy? Nellie Merchant? No. 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 Um, I don't know. Lisa Stansfield yeah, celebrating, yeah, 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 yeah. celebrating yeah. her 52nd birthday today. I see dead people. Notable deaths. Famous people who passed away on this date in history. This person, an American rock guitarist, musician who, well, his name was part of a band, Kimmy. Tell me who passed away on this date, 2017, at the age of 71. Who passed away, Kimmy? Jay Giles. You got it right. I think you did a fantastic job on this Way Back Wednesday. Thank you very much. We're going to go back in time, do something way back for Wednesday. We're going to honor something from trivia with the golden age of radio. Radio was new. Radio, someone still loves you. We just mentioned moments ago that actor Paul Douglas was born on this date, 1907. He was no stranger to the golden age of radio. We have a suspenseful, thrilling kind of episode. This one titled Man Alive from 1952. Here's our tribute to Paul Douglas on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Paul Douglas in tonight's presentation of Suspense. 
Tonight, Autolite presents the exciting report of one man's efforts to prevent a national tragedy. It is based on fact, with only names and places changed. The story is called Man Alive. Our star, Mr. Paul Douglas. You uh, may have seen the name Man Jackson. I run a column of saucy chat and unimpeachable rumors in the San Francisco Express under the heading, What Else? Man Overboard. It's got little paragraphs, you know, man among men, that's the sports section, and man's best friend, so forth. Well, beginning today, I've got a new department called Man Alive, just because I'm so lucky I am. Last night, I let my secretary off at 5.30 so she could go and do some Christmas shopping, although I've told her repeatedly that all I want this year is money. Well, the fog was rolling in off the bay, and it was bitter cold as I came out in the street, so it seemed like the night for a spaghetti dinner and some pleasant Italian hospitality. Down at Mama Caruso's restaurant on the Embarcadero opposite the ferry building. But Mama Caruso had more than hospitality on her mind when she met me at the door. Oh, Mr. Jackson, I'm so glad to find you. I'm just calling your office. Oh, what's the trouble, Mama? Somebody been stealing ravioli? Please, it's my cousin Tony. They tried to kill him. Oh, what, what happened, Mama? Come on, Mr. Jackson. I make Tony tell you. He's not feel so good, but he can talk all right. You gonna see. <laughs> She led me to the back of the restaurant, the table where the family generally sits. The family tonight was a man, small to start with, but even smaller, hunched down in his chair, miserably staring, unseeing, into a glass of wine. On the table in front of him was a battered old concertina. The top of his head was swathed in a clean new bandage. Sit down, Mr. Jackson. Go on, sit down. This is my cousin, Tony Colucci. Tony, this is my good friend, Mr. Man Jackson. Hello, Tony. Hello. Go on, Tony. You tell Mr. Jackson what's happened on you. Uh, well, I, I'm i on the boat. Yeah, what boat? The ferry boat, the Oakland ferry boat. Don't you never hear my music on the boat? Oh, you play the concertina on the ferry ride. Uh, sure, no more. Tonight, they tried to kill me. Well, you play pretty well, don't you, Tony? I play perfect. What's the matter? Some people don't like it, I guess. Tonight, on the 6 o'clock boat, Oh, boy. Tonight on the 6 o'clock boat, what? Well, I play inside the first by the sandwich place, and everybody say, Oh, boy, Tony, you're good. You play good. Play some more. Ten cents here, five cents, two quarters even. And then I go upstairs. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And? Then I go out on the deck. It's a very misty and foggy. It's a black. I can't see nothing. I'm very happy. I feel like I play some more. So I walk away back and open down the deck and I make music. Then all of a sudden, I hear somebody say something to me. I can't see nobody, but I hear him. And what do you think he said to me? Uh, bravo, Tony. No, no, no. I have no idea. What did he say? Yeah, what? He say, cospador. Cospador, as in barrooms? Cospador. Well. So I say back on top of him, cospador. I still can't see nobody, so then I hear him say, is that you play Boris? So I get mad. I say, no, I don't play Boris. I play Pagliacci, Butterfly, Flatoska, Trovatore, but I don't play Boris. That's a, that's a foreign story. Yeah, yeah, I see. Then, uh... Then I'm sorry I said that, because this fellow, he sounds like he's a foreigner. So I'm just going to say, look, mister, 
And oh, boy. Yeah, what, Tony? What? Patsoing! I'll get a hit on the head. Ching, a tong, a ching. I fall down. I'm a bleeding. I drop on my concertina. My head has got a big hole on the top. I let out a big yell. Then I black out. Oh, boy. People come running around. And a good luck. There's a doctor on the board. They carry me down the stairs. And they fix me up. Otherwise, I'm going to die for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you never saw the guy. Okay. No, I never saw him. Well, what did it feel like? I mean, what did he hit you with? Well, it felt just like a baseball bat. My the doctor, he said that... Oh, look, look, he said the doctor now. Just, he just come in. Hey, doctor! The doctor looked in our direction when Tony called and strode over to the table. A big six-foot-three blonde guy in the Joe McRae, Gary Cooper tradition. You had to like him right away. No bedside manner to this doctor, although he could have had as much of it as he liked. But he was all business and no kidding. But I told you to go to bed and stay there. Well, Doc, I just told you... You may have a concussion. I'll be back in an hour, and then we'll take some x-rays. My name is Man Jackson, Doctor. I'm a friend of the family. Ames. Dr. Oscar Ames. How are you? Uh, Dr. Ames, uh, mister, can I get you something to eat? Ah, uh, no, thanks. Smells wonderful, but I haven't time. I'll have a cup of coffee, maybe. Sure. Uh, Mr. Jackson? Uh, yes, please, Mama. Uh, uh, doctor, you want I'm a make, Tony, go to bed? Uh, go on now, Tony, you lie down. Oh, but, uh, I'll be back and we'll check you over. Get some rest in the meantime. But, all right, Mama, my, my Dr. Ames, I don't know, x-rays and the whole thing, I don't know how I'm going to pay you. Never mind that. That's why we charge our Knob Hill patients a little extra. So we're able to do something like this once in a while. This will be on me, Tony. Oh, you're good, the kind of man, the doctor. I, I don't know what to no, say. No, you go on and lie down, Tony. You're embarrassing the doc. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a screwy thing, this one, isn't it, doctor? Sure is. Here's your coffee, gentlemen. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Mama. Yeah, it sure is. Homicidal maniac, it looks like, Mr. Jackson. Man Jackson, are you the uh, colonist man overboard? Yeah, that's right. Well, I read you all the time. Amusing, intelligent, and you've got a heart. Isn't that a little unusual for columnists? Well, uh, Say, uh, what is all this tonight down here? Newspaper men, police? Police? Uh, how do you mean police? Well, I think they were police. Five or six plainclothes guys. They were waiting here on the side when the ferry pulled into the slip. They're still there holding the boat. I just left them. Well, what were they doing? Oh, they're talking to all the passengers as they come off. Asked us for identification. They took one passenger away with them. Oh? Uh-huh. Red-haired girl, uh, carrying a package, a paper parcel. Uh-huh. Uh, what did they think about Tony's little experience, getting knocked on the head? Oh, they were mighty interested, naturally. Especially when I told them how I thought the wound had been inflicted. Which was? Gunbutt. Gunbutt, eh? Well. I'd say so. Hey, I gotta go. Take that dreary ride again. What, the ferry? Yeah, I've got a patient over in Oakland. Had to come back over here to pick up some serum. Well, nice to see you, Jackson. Uh, tell what's-his-name, uh, Tony, to... Uh, well, wait a minute, Doc. I've got nothing to do. I'll ride over with you. We crossed the street, went into the ferry building. Everything was normal enough in the main waiting room where I stopped to buy cigarettes and a pocket flashlight. But outside on the dock where the Oakland boat was waiting to take off, there were a number of extra characters whom you wouldn't think would have chosen a dismal, chilly night like this for waterfront lounging. There wasn't anybody I knew, and in any gathering of plainclothesmen, local variety, I generally spot one or two familiar faces. But Dr. Ames and I got aboard, followed by three of these gentlemen. The broadest one, who was built for endurance, exchanged pleasantries with us as the boat moved out into the water. 
Hello, Dr. Ames. I see you didn't miss a boat. <laughs> like the old saying. No. Oh, you're one of the fellows I talked to before when we landed. That's right. I don't think I got your name. Connolly. Uh, this is Mr. Jackson. Yeah? Uh, would that be Lieutenant Connolly or Sergeant, maybe? Just Connolly, no special title. How's a little fellow doing, Doctor? Colucci. Tony? He's under care. He, uh, talk anymore? Say anything interesting? I didn't talk to him. Mr. Jackson here did. Oh? Really? Really. Now, what do you have to say? Well, uh, you see, I'm an old friend of his family. What he told me was in confidence, and I'd really have to know a little more about who I'm telling his secrets to. I see. Jackson, your name is? Uh, still is. Nice to meet you, Gospodin. Gospodin? Means nothing to you. It might. Yeah, it might. Gospodin sounds like another word. Somebody might think you said cuspidor. <laughs> it's very funny. Are <laughs> well, you going to stay out here on deck? Well, we haven't made up our minds. Is that okay? Ought to go inside, have a little coffee at the snack bar. Comfortable. The ride's over before you know it. Out here, it's foggy, wet, and miserable. <clears throat> well, I'm going in. I'll see you later. Goodbye, Doc. Well, maybe he's right. Although I must say he's not my favorite man in the world, that Mr. Conley. It is strictly pneumonia weather out here on deck. Shall we go in? Oh, not just yet for me. I think I'll stretch my legs a little. Dr. Ames, uh, where was it that Tony got conked? Uh, on the upper deck, I know, but which side? Uh, we've turned around now. Starboard. Just about directly above where we're standing. Yes, right about... Uh, doc, uh, doc, don't, don't point. Our friend Conley and his boys are on their way out to see us again. Uh, no, they went back in. You think they're as mysterious as they seem? Oh, definitely that. You know what made them turn back just now? Decide it wasn't necessary to check whether we were still here? No, what? Our cigarettes. They can't make us out here. It's too dark. But they can see two lighted cigarettes. I'd like to get up there on that upper deck. Looking for tomorrow's column, huh? You want to get up there and nose around where Tony was, is that it? Well, that's the idea, but those mugs I've got in it. there... Uh, hand me your cigarette. I'll smoke them both a yard apart. When they check, we'll both still be here. Masterful thinking, Oscar. Go ahead. I'll be here. So I tried the slippery stairs to the upper deck. The fog was as wet as rain. I couldn't see any more than inches ahead of me with my flashlight. I stopped about a, I stopped about a midships and looked down over the rail. Dr. Oscar Ames and his two cigarettes, tiny red dots of light, were almost directly beneath me. I turned back from the rail, and my foot squashed into something that sounded like an eggshell. I bent and picked it up. It was a mother-of-pearl ornament like the ones Tony's concertina were covered with. A sudden noise over my head made me shoot my light up. A piece of canvas had suddenly ripped loose from the top of a lifeboat. Well, I got up there somehow and looked. The canvas had been ripped open with a knife, a hole large enough for a man's body to get through. And that's what was in there. A man's body. He'd been stabbed in the neck. This was the man who had slugged Tony, or so it seemed, because the gun was still clenched in his right hand, the barrel reversed. Well, my flash caught a speck of something white in one of his shoes. It was a bit of paper with two typewritten lines on it. I let myself down to the deck and prepared to read the note, and that's when my flashlight went dead. I groped about until I found a faint, ghostly glimmer of light overhead, out over the edge of the ship on the outside rail. 
I climbed over, steadied myself, and lit a couple of matches. It said, International Postcard Shop, Geary Street, SF, greeting card for Boris. I put the bit of paper in my pocket and turned to climb back over the rail. And then something came at me from the back. It caught me full in the center of the forehead, and I fell crashing over the side. They tell you a lot about what you remember when you're going down for the third time. You know what I remembered? I remembered that Gospodin is Russian for comrade. I found myself mechanically keeping afloat somehow and trying to get out of my overcoat. From out of the misty blanket, from every direction, and a dozen different keys, from near and far, foghorn sounded. I floated on my back trying to figure where I was. I was somewhere in San Francisco Bay, and that was all I knew. The water was chilling me, and I turned over and began swimming, just hard enough to keep the blood circulating. The lights of a boat came into sight suddenly, and I threw back my head and yelled, but the horn crying its warning drowned me out, and the boat went on, and the fog closed in behind me. And then I found myself full of a strange, wonderful weariness. The water wasn't cold anymore. I was warm with a comfortable, soothing numbness. My head stopped throbbing. There was no feeling at all in it now. There was nothing, nothing anywhere. And then some lights came into my eyes, and I, I wanted to stay in the dark, and I turned my face down into the embrace of the water. And then I wasn't where you'd expect at all. I was lying on a baggage truck that was moving. People were crowding around, walking beside the truck, staring at me. The guy in uniform wheeling me noticed I had opened my eyes. Well, hello, pal. Welcome back to the United States. Well, hello. What, what part of the United States? Just landing in Sausalito. They still were taking you over to the hospital. Sausalito? How long before that boat goes back to San Francisco? Leaves right away. Well, I'm going with it. Hey, wait there. You ain't in no condition. Thanks. I'll be okay. Half an hour later, shivering and shaking in my wet clothes and keeping my mouth clamped tight so my teeth wouldn't sound like a dice game, I climbed into a taxi at the ferry building and went to my apartment. There, I swallowed a half a pint of whiskey, rubbed myself with a coarse towel until my skin was sore. Then I looked in the pocket of the soggy suit I'd hung up to dry. It was still there. The piece of paper from the dead man's shoes, damp but legible. International postcard shop. Geary Street, SF, greeting card for Boris. I got up to put on a dry suit, and then I changed my mind and put the wet one back on. Good evening. Uh, good evening. Are uh, you the uh, proprietor here? That's right, sir. Six years at the same location. You... Oh, my goodness, is it raining out? You really got a uh, dousing, yes, I did. Uh, a nice collection of postcards. Uh, from all over, eh? South America, every place. I pride myself on having the most complete possible selection. Was there something you had especially in mind? Yes, there was. Oh? 
I'm looking for a greeting card for Boris. You... <clears throat> What's the matter? Didn't you hear me? Yes. Didn't you understand then? Well... Well, what? It's only that, that I... Uh... I didn't exactly expect somebody like you. I, I... What did you expect? Somebody slinking around in a false mustache, wearing dark glasses and an Inverness cape? Well... You know, uh, your type of thinking, you, uh, you may not be the right man for this job, Gospodine. Oh, now wait, please, Mr. Luboff. I, I thought you were dead. You, you drowned. Yeah, yeah, who told you that? Well, you know. Yes, well, I didn't drown. I jumped in the water when I heard him coming. You can still see how wet I am. Oh, of course. So you escaped. Easily. Now, enough talk. Hand it over. The greeting card for Boris. Very well. Let's see. That's uh, San Francisco, of course. He turned and reached his hand down under the counter and came up with a box marked special. From this, he extracted something and handed it to me. I took it with a knowing expression on my face, but I didn't know from nothing as to what it meant. All it was was an ordinary postcard, that's all. A picture postcard showing the Golden Gate Bridge. Underneath it, the caption, Wonder Cities of the World, number 25123-5679, San Francisco. Nothing else. I'm afraid my mouth was open. Well, what's the matter? Matter? Don't you know how to read the name? It's so difficult, of course. Idiots. Certainly I know how. I, I, I was just admiring the work, that's all. Oh, it is excellent, isn't it? Uh, you better go now. You've been in here an awfully long time. We don't want to... Uh, no, of course we don't. I'll uh, go, Gospodine. <sighs> Gospodine. I'm sorry to have been overly cautious. There is no such thing as over-caution. Oh, thank you. You were so, uh, well, you seem like an American. So do you. I strode out into the street, clutching my postcard, but I shoved it inside my sleeve a moment later because who I saw standing under the misty glimmer of a streetlight waiting for me was my heavy-set, mysterious friend from the ferry boat, Connolly. I turned my head around and glanced down the other end of the block behind me. The other two guys were there, sure enough. They advanced slowly toward me with their hands raised, palms out, as if they were showing me they weren't carrying guns. I waited. Then all of a sudden, Connolly rushed me. I caught him on the chin and he went down, clattering into an ash can. The other two boys grabbed me and held my arms behind me. Connolly got up, rubbing his face. I waited to get murdered. But no. All right, Joe Lewis. Bring him along. And so they did. We didn't go far, just around the corner to a little hamburger place that had a sign in the door saying closed, although there were lights inside. Conley knocked on the door and a fellow with an apron came and opened it and locked it after us. Conley gave him a nod and we sat down at the table while he brought us coffee. Well, Jackson, we've checked on you. You seem to be okay. You stand in good with the department, friend. What uh, department would that be, friend? This department. Huh? Government? Oh. Now maybe you can help. Anyhow, we don't want you going around making a noise and messing it up for us, so here it is. I'm all ears. Ever hear of a man called Boris Kargaminsky? Uh, no. Well, not many people have, even in Russia. Boris Kargaminsky is the top Soviet agent in America. He's the head man. He organizes and runs everything for him here. I see. Now, he came to this country seven years ago and vanished. We've been trying to find him ever since. 
false passport, of course. That didn't help. There's nothing anywhere on Kargaminsky. No pictures, even in Russia. No fingerprints, nothing. Every lead we had, dead end. And then last week... Well, go ahead, drink your coffee. No, no, it's all right. I'm too interested. Last week, we heard that another agent, an important little guy named Lubov, was on his way to San Francisco and that he would definitely have to contact the big gun, something to do with the Chinese war business that only Kargaminsky's big enough to handle. Well, our man tailed Lubov all the way out here and then lost him at the Oakland Ferry. That didn't bother us very much. He called us and we were waiting on this end. But in pulls the ferry and no Lubov. Lubov was the dead man in the lifeboat. That's right. Must have been up there waiting to be contacted. And he heard Tony and his concertina, thought that this might be it. Then when he realized he'd made a mistake and uncovered himself, he conked Tony on the head. Right. And his Soviet contact got scared and stabbed Lubov. So now we're back where we started. Every passenger on the ferry was okay. What's that you're looking at? A picture postcard. I found a message on Lubov about the international postcard shop and a greeting for... Hey! A greeting for Boris. Boris Kargaminsky. Hey, let me see that. I bulldozed the guy into the shop into letting me have it. It looks like nothing, just a picture, but he said I could read the name. Uh, Golden Gate. Now, oh, give me it, give me These numbers, Wonder Cities of the World, number 25-123-5679. Wait a minute. What? Well, well, print out the guy's name, Boris. Uh, B-O-R-I-S. Leave a space. K-A-R-G-A-M-E-N-S-K. Now put numbers. Wait a minute now. The, the top number's nine. All right. Now put one, two, three, four, five over Boris. Yeah. yeah. Then start again. One, two, three, up to nine over Kargaminsky. Uh-huh. Uh, nine. Yeah. All right. Now, now let's see the postcard. Two, five, one, two, three, five, six, seven, nine. Okay. Uh, what's two? Uh, two is O. Five? S. O, S. Now Kargaminsky. One. K. Two. Three. A. R. O. S. K. A. R. Oscar! Well, I guess we know the rest of it. Five, six, seven, nine. A. M. E. S. Ames, correct? Uh, correct. Oscar Ames. Dr. Oscar Ames. <laughs> what? I was just thinking. He was worried about me catching pneumonia. <laughs> I called Mama Caruso, and from what she said, we knew where to go. We picked him up at the emergency hospital. He was just finishing the operation on Tony's head. We watched him through the glass, and the other young doctor standing alongside of us said he was one of the greatest surgeons they'd ever seen. When he unrolled his gloves and took off his operating mask, he looked up and saw me, alive, and the other boys with me. His scalp tightened for just a second, and then he smiled. It was when he reached into his bag that we rushed him before he could get the little red bottle to his lips. Well, that's about it. I made the morning edition okay. On page 18, under my usual slug, Man Overboard, by Man Jackson, they did a cute thing. Under Man Overboard, it said he really is. See page one. And on page one, with a byline, was the story just as above. Complete with a photograph of Dr. Oscar Ames. A clean-cut, smiling, confident, typically American fellow. The caption said, Portrait of a Spy.
If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, We will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>